Welcome to Multi-Asset Investing, a podcast where leading experts explain the trends shaping your investment universe. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. With the reopening trade well underway, Fred Damaris and Brittany Bauman of the Multi-Asset Solutions team dive deeper into recent changes made in the portfolio. From commodity prices to China's first-in, first-out role in the pandemic, they break down the core drivers for an overweight position on Canadian equities, a neutral stance on U.S. and emerging markets, and an overall tilt away from fixed income. They also discuss the recent Canadian federal budget announcement and what it means for multi-asset investors. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and share the podcast with your professional network. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change at any time without notice. Welcome to the third episode of the Multi-Asset Investing Podcast. My name is Brittany Bauman, and today we are welcoming a new guest and key member of the Multi-Asset Solutions team, Fred Demers who is a portfolio manager and investment strategist. Welcome, Fred. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Brittany. So today we wanted to discuss uh, more in depth the recent changes we made to our equity allocations. As discussed last time, we dialed down our U.S. and EM overweight to neutral while taking Canadian equities from an underweight to a small overweight against EFI, uh, the developed markets outside of U.S. and Canada, while keeping our overall overweight of equities over fixed income. So, Fred, what do these changes, if anything, tell us about our overall view on equities now and going forward? Yes, I'd say for the past six months, our main high conviction uh, investment thesis has been to overweight global equities versus versus fixed income on uh, expectations of strong global economic growth, especially in the U.S. Uh, We've been expecting and witnessing some significant decoupling uh, between U.S. and European economic economic growth in recent months, uh, which has largely been driven by by the virus and the varying responses of governments to uh, in fighting the pandemic. Uh, But despite these pretty significant economic uh, decoupling uh, patterns that we've seen uh, and our expectations for continued uh, disappointment out of Europe, it still has failed to translate into meaningful uh, differentiation across equity performance between uh, the main markets that we, we keep an eye on. Uh, it seems that the uh, markets are increasingly convinced that the reopening of the economy will be uh, will mean global synchronized growth later this year and into 2022. We're not there yet. The virus is still having some negative impact in different places, uh, but the reopening uh, should continue to be that tide that is lifting all markets in 2021. And this is really the core uh, of our bullish view at this point. Uh, fiscal and monetary policy. Uh, will remain stimulative, even if diminishing to some extent. Uh, and this is highly supportive of the economy and the markets. Uh, but as the dust starts to settle, uh, probably around late 2021, early 2022, uh, we will have a better uh, idea of the longer-term uh, economic scaring from the pandemic. Uh, policy support will also start to diverge uh, probably a bit more. And we could see another window of uh, market differentiation emerge across uh, regional markets, but we're not there yet at this point. Uh, given that uh, major ma- major equity markets could continue to perform in a pretty tight range, uh, we decided to narrow uh, our, our tilts on a regional basis, uh, lowering EM and, uh, and US, as you said, to neutral, 
we did on Canada, upgrading it to a small overweight uh, against EFI is really uh, positioning against uh, a, a, a thesis where uh, we do expect, you know, global economy to be a bit stronger this year uh, than expected, and that will continue to support commodity prices, uh, and that typically is good for for Canadian equities, which uh, which have a bit more of commodity exposure, as we know, but materials and bank, banks as well. Uh, higher commodity pressure will mean probably uh, a bit more uh, support also to interest rates. And also, we expect the Canadian economy to heal a bit faster than uh, Europe uh, and Japan at this point. And so, so that could favor uh, that exposure as well through the uh, currency channel as we, we expect the Canadian dollar to appreciate against these currencies. So overall, this is a pretty small change to our uh, portfolios. Uh, our core investment thesis is intact. Uh, we are confident that global equities will outperform fixed income in the next uh, six to 18 months. Great. So, yeah, good to uh, reiterate those points on Canada. Also, that there is room to run, whether it's earnings, interest rates, or commodity prices. On that note, EM equities bears a bit more discussion lately. EM, along with the U.S., were the key outperformance in, in 2020. Uh, this had a lot to do with the macro landscape, uh, U.S. dollar depreciation, falling real rates, rising inflation, break-evens. Together, that probably was the most ideal environment for EM assets. The other driver was more structural, China's first-in, first-out position with respect to the pandemic. Uh, the region's tilt to growth and technology which were key beneficiaries to the pandemic crisis. Uh, EM also got a list after the surprise Democrat sweep. So this all changed in February when bond yields backed up and inflation fears started to rise. And what you're seeing now is that equities are broadly recovering, but EM is the exception and continues to underperform year to date. That's interesting, Brittany. Uh... And when you think about the, the strong uh, rebound that's expected uh, globally, which is typically a tailwind to, to EM countries like China, uh, why do you think uh, we could expect a bit more underperformance uh, or a challenging performance for, for EM markets? Right. So we certainly started out the year um, thinking that you know EM would be a beneficiary of this growth rebound. Um, I think one one angle is is inflation right now. Um, the pain threshold for inflation EM is much lower. You look at historical returns when rising inflation starts to be negative for uh, EM equities. It's it's around 2.4 percent on the U.S. 10-year break-even. So by comparison, Europe and value-oriented equities that number could be above three percent. Uh, so inflation fears are not helping. Um, also, probably maybe most important is that EM earnings and growth expectations both are actually lagging relative to uh, the rest of the world. We find that growth expectations have been driving earnings so far this year, so they are very important. Uh, 2022 growth actually more of a driver than 2021, um, and in turn, Ford earnings expectations are uh, driving equity performance. Uh, and you, you would expect that at this stage of the cycle um, when valuations are, are less of a driver. So earnings and growth, very important. 
and EM is not really being the leader here. Uh, going forward, uh, though, the outlook does appear maybe less constructive as well, because at this stage of the cycle, the recovery in interest rates, which we still expect, um, is likely to be led by higher real yields rather than inflation break even. Uh, so basically the flip side of, of 2020, and that is typically negative for EM equities. Aside from that, Chinese growth is slowing, um, I would say more moderating, and the country's credit impulse um, is expected to, to turn negative by mid-year. Uh, we also see less scope for U.S. dollar depreciation, which, of course, was a key tailwind for EM last year. And, and what would be the, the key elements you would consider to reconsider an overweight of the EM equities uh, in the next uh, few months? A good question. Um, well, first, you know, the, the further U.S. dollar weakness is one um, that would be important if Chinese growth proves more resilient than expected. And if the credit impulse stays strong, um, that's also another one. Uh, the other is inflation fears if they prove overdone. Uh, we may be seeing a glimpse of that uh, with the U.S. Uh, bond yields rallying after a much stronger inflation report. Um, it could be that the bond market's already sniffing out that the inflation pickup and stimulus boost this year is temporary. And that would certainly relieve a lot of concerns over EM. Um, but also by the end of the pandemic, when growth finally normalizes and markets trade more on fundamentals, uh, EM has a lot of potential still to perform with Asia still being a growth engine and, and tech leader. So I'll, I'll actually turn it back to you, Fred, uh, looking more at the, the U.S. The price action in U.S. equities has been a, a bit different than EM. A month-to-date U.S. equities are, are once again outperforming. So is, is now the time to re-embrace a U.S. equity overweight? I think it takes a bit of patience. So far in 2021, uh, after adjusting for currency uh, fluctuations, uh, U.S. equities are running at about the same pace as Canadian or European equities. It's been very tough, uh, again, to, to find uh, uh, dispersion across uh, markets. Uh, this uh, theme of reopening uh, is really driving uh, the driving force here. Uh, and that can continue uh, probably into the summer. Uh, and we, you know, we're unlikely to see again what we saw last year is this, uh, you know, the double digit type of uh, outperformance from U.S. equities versus Europe uh, as the, the growth and the response to the pandemic was uh, quite different. Um, so, so this dispersion is likely to be quite narrow for at least into the summer. Uh, I think what we need to see is a bit more clarity on the longer-term scarring that I mentioned earlier, uh, but also more fundamentally is to start to see uh, evidence of policy divergence, which would be uh, driven by a quicker yielding. Uh, so this is already being heavily speculated by markets, uh, for instance, signaling that some central banks uh, like the Fed or the Bank of Canada could be uh, quicker to normalize their policy uh, because their economies are healing are faster, uh, whereas uh, the European Central Bank or BOJ are unlikely to, uh, to change their policy stance uh, anytime soon. Uh, so such policy speculation, I think, will, will probably accelerate uh, later this year and intensify next year, 
Uh, and this is when, again, we could see another window reopening uh, to, to be a bit more selective across uh, uh, regions. Right, right now, the main call is really overweighting uh, equities versus fixed income. This is where we have the, the greatest uh, clarity. There's no ambiguity that the, economy, uh, the economic rebound will be strong. This is the reopening theme uh, taking place. Uh, and so over the, uh, the next 12 to 24 months, however, I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, equity performance tends to correlate very strongly with uh, domestic uh, uh, economic performance. Uh, and so this is why we keep a close eye on the, the growth outlook of the major economies uh, and trying to cue uh, some, some decoupling across uh, the major economies uh, probably later this year or next year. Yeah, that, that's a very good point on on more limited dispersion across regions, um, which makes 2021 very different than 2020. So we've covered a lot of ground today, uh, but given the timely release of the federal budget this week, maybe we could end there with a, a few of your thoughts on that. Yes, uh, there were no big surprises uh, either when you look at the size of the you know, uh, present deficit for fiscal year 2021 or the future deficits. Uh, everything was well telegraphed. Uh, it's a pretty sizable deficit. It has increased. The debt has increased by about uh, $380 billion since February 2020 uh, before the pandemic hit. Uh, now it stands at about $1.1 trillion as of March. And uh, federal debt could approach uh, roughly 1.4 trillion by 2025. Uh, and of course, don't forget that uh, Canadian provinces are also running pretty pretty large deficits. So the amount of fiscal help, uh, fiscal stimulus in the Canadian economy has been uh, quite large. And collectively, we have a much larger uh, government debt load coming out of uh, of this uh, cycle uh, than we did a couple of years ago. Now, obviously, uh, every major economy has been uh, on a spending spree to fight the, the pandemic and help cushion against the economic pain that it caused. Uh, but what's important for investors going forward, I think it's the uh, what does it mean, this higher debt load? Uh, it's one thing to complain about it, but it, it's, it certainly uh, means on the one end, when you think about the uh, outlook for interest rates, uh, it's pretty difficult to envision uh, normalization of interest rates uh, and aggressive normalizations uh, in the next few years. The theme of lower for longer for interest rates, I think, is uh, well entrenched uh, with this, these debt cycles uh, that, that we have where we try to stimulate economic activity uh, with debt. And this obviously has diminishing uh, efficacy when the debt load keeps on rising over the, the, the cycles. So for investors, I think it's important to recognize that uh, uh, this, the, this is an era of large fiscal deficits, very, very large. Uh, and while it's debatable whether this is the right policy choice uh, to engineer long-term growth and productivity gains, uh, investors, however, must recognize uh, that the growth outlook uh, for the next couple of years will be stronger than otherwise. So I think this is the, the, the important point to, to take away is not to be distracted uh, by our opinion on whether we like or not this deficit is to recognize that it is supporting growth, it is supporting the cycle and uh, a, a, a quicker uh, recovery out of the uh, COVID turmoil that we are still going through at this point. Thanks, Fred. So to recap, we have narrowed our exposure across different equity regions to navigate the transition out of the pandemic, which could be a bumpy ride for EM in particular, but 
uh, ultimately, we think reopening will be the tide that lifts all markets in 2021, as you point out, Fred. The end of the pandemic could be fast approaching this year, timing very uncertain. Um, but if that's the case, we will need to revisit many of the themes that were influencing markets pre-COVID. So thanks, Fred, for your time today. Thank you, Brittany. We hope you have found this discussion informative and look forward to having you back next time. Thank you to Fred Demers and Brittany Bauman for joining us on the Multi-Asset Investing Podcast. To learn more about today's topic or other views from the Multi-Asset Solutions team, please reach out to your BMO professional. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if applicable, all may be associated with investments in mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. Please read the fund facts, ETF facts, or prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.